0: Saddle up your horses. Well, welcome, everyone, to the Robin Walters Show. Uh... Goodness gracious, there is so much to cover. Uh, There is almost too much news. You know, last week there were things that had to be covered. I just, I had to dealing with the Nashville tragedy and teaching people. When this this, uh, program, "Welcome to Transylvania, which is what I named it, has gotten legs, it's being shipped around because people have now understanding what the Bible says about cross-dressing and all that falls out from that and where we are and why we're there. But I also would like to have addressed the Trump indictment. Well, everybody on TV the night that I did the program covered it, but as much as I wanted to try to work something in about it, I, I had to back off. I just didn't feel that I was ready to address the topic. It was new, it was fresh, it was too new, and it was too fresh, actually, in a sense that um, there there was a passage that came to my, my mind and it confirmed why I shouldn't launch into it because there was more yet to come. And it's from Proverbs 18, 13. And it's not the perfect analogy to the situation, but it's close and it spoke to me. That passage says he's that answers the question before he hears it. It is folly and shame. To answer the question before he hears it, it is folly and shame. And the reason that popped in my head, and this goes back, gosh, 30 years when my son was in the high school quiz bowl team, and they were competing against a school that one of the fellows uh, on the other team tried to answer every single question before it came out of the mouth of the person posing the question. Sometimes the guy was right, oftentimes he was wrong, but it was frustrating my son and his team. And during a break, I went over and I shared this passage with him. Proverbs eighteen thirteen. I said, Look, it's folly and shame to that guy to try to answer the question before he knows the question. You guys understand that? They understood it. We had a quick prayer. Uh, they went on and just clobbered that other team and were the champions. The word works. And what the word spoke to me then was this. I did not have all the facts, sort of like I hadn't heard all of the question. So for me to go out and say things that I really could not with any confidence speak to, I don't know whether the 34 and charges in the indictment were just copycat things, the same thing printed over and over again. I assumed it was. Only Jonathan Turley held back uh, of all the people that were on TV to say, look, we don't know what it actually says. And when he said that, it was confirmed in my heart, there needs to be more about this. And preferably, I would like to hear from Trump. And uh, they didn't impose a gag order, as you well know. And, of course, they're realizing that the gag order would have only added yet another 10 points to Trump's popularity. Because he, he shot way out in front of DeSantis with this thing. When he was indicted, throw a gag order on him. And, my goodness, you might end up having some Democrats voting for Trump. Everything they did to destroy him was only adding and building to his credibility. So I didn't say anything. But now I can. And so the indictment, as I see it, was a game changer. Now, you probably recall about a month and a half ago where I just simply got fed up with Donald it was that queer gala at Mar-a-Lago with all the guys dancing cheek to cheek in their sequin gowns. And he's holding up a T-shirt that says, Trump, the most gay president ever. I couldn't stand it. I wanted to puke. I wanted to ralph. I wanted to hurl. I wanted to barf. And he disqualified himself. And at that point, I had switched to Ron DeSantis. Though... I have this lurking liking for Vidic Ramaswamy. I still do. We'll touch on him later. But I want to say that I have switched back. And I know of many others that have switched back that were drifting away, notwithstanding the fact that he is lost on this queer issue and how he can distinguish that from the tranny thing, which he's... and decidedly against all the sex change crapola, But in his mind, he's, he can bifurcate the two. He can split them. I don't think you can, and I explained that in last week's program. But nonetheless, there was some scripture that further fueled my switch. And I want to share that in a minute. But what launched the switch was recollecting the origins of my salvation experience. And you will see the relevance here in just a minute. But when I was at the University of Michigan during the Vietnam War, hotbed of liberalism, Michigan was called the Berkeley of the Midwest. I'm a political science major. I just went down there. I wanted to have some fun, meet some girls, blah blah blah. It was way too serious. All I had in the political science curriculum, with one exception, I had all white professors who were all to the left of Fidel Castro. I had one decent professor, was the only black professor I had who was good. But all these whack jobs on the left, I am not a Christian, but this is a conclusion that I come to. These guys are so screwed up. They're such whack jobs. They're such losers. I don't know what the truth is. But I know the truth is the exact opposite of these guys. And I started this process of being against whatever was popular in school. Others did drugs, I bought chocolate chip cookies. So the others wanted to listen to acid rock music. I bought the Beach Boys and James Brown. I did they wanted to watch movies that or were watching movies that were just goodness are nihilistic. Not I. I started watching John Wayne movies. I just started doing everything the opposite of the popular culture. So that's what struck me this week. Looking at the popular culture, look at the looking at the Democrats and what they do. Well, look at Nancy Pelosi demanding that Trump prove his innocence. Well, I mean, I <laughs> she is such a nimrod. That, I mean, once said, you know, I mean, if a stray bullet entered Nancy Pelosi's left ear, it would emerge from her right ear without any material reduction in velocity. She is the consummate empty suit. I hear what she says. It makes me want to do just, of course, the opposite. I hear, goodness, Reba McIntyre comes out pro-tranny. She's, and she's against Trump. But she said... Oh, I never, ever get into politics. But now, uh, then she goes on to bash the Tennessee law that's designed to safeguard Tennessee children from uh, the demonic drag queen shows and all of that stuff. It reminded me of the Bob Newhart joke that he said, you know, I used to. No, he said, "Uh, I quit telling ethnic jokes a long time ago. But here's one that I used to tell. This is what Reba McIntyre sounds like. And I thought, goodness sakes. And you just kind of go down the line of these people. And you know what? I don't drink beer. But if I did, I wouldn't drink Anheuser. It's gone totally woke with this queer guy faking to be a woman and, and Budweiser celebrating his one-year uh, transition. Love Kid Rock shoots the Bud Light cans up. He just shoots them. It sounds like an automatic. I, I watched the video. It was an edited video because he had some language I didn't want to hear, but he's got 32 million views already. And then now one of the guys I love, Travis Tritt, one of my all-time favorite songs called The Country Club. He said, ah, forget Anheuser. You know and and it was this kind of thing that whenever somebody does something that is so ridiculously outrageously unchristian anti-christian truthophobic common senseophobic it simply drives me in a different direction that I trust is the right direction and so what am i getting to here the point being that when i see the left go absolutely off its rocker after Trump, meaning they are that scared of the guy. They absolutely want to be part of helping pick the Republican candidate by getting Trump knocked out that they get this phony, phony baloney prosecutor, Alvin Bragg, which I might add here before I forget When Trump can speak yet a little more openly, and he likes to give people names, I've got a name for Alvin Bragg for Donald Trump. Alvin Braggadocious. That's the name for that guy. When I hear and see celebrities in Hollywood having parties and fist bumping and getting and the high fives over the Trump indictment, When I hear and see people I have no respect for, no confidence in, no faith that they have any brains, any cojones, or any morals, if they hate Donald Trump that badly, that tells me he must be the guy. Just like all those losers that I had as professors to the left of Fidel Castro. I don't know what's right, but I know what's wrong. And right now, there is nobody that's more opposite of the left than Trump. And I'm going to read you in a minute a passage from the book of Daniel, if you'd like to get it out, uh, chapter 4, that was instructive in how, under the circumstances, though I I personally think Ron DeSantis is morally superior. But I also have to recognize, as you will see from this passage in Daniel, that God is not done with Donald Trump. When I pulled a plug on him a month and a half ago, it was kind of all bets were off. Everybody was sort of equal. Trump had no distinct advantage. DeSantis, who was a great governor and who I think needs to stay a great governor, I do not think he should run for vice president. Or run for president and end up vice president. I don't think so. He's not the right guy. More on that later. But when I see this venom and vitriol and vindictiveness lodged against Trump in such unbridled, uncontrolled manner, all it can tell me is that the devil is really, really ticked off. He's animated the left with such a consumption of the intent to destroy Donald that Trump has got to be the guy. And he needs to finish what God started in him personally, spiritually, and politically. Now, there, and therein is the analogy that I was, I, and I hope you got that. I think you did, so I don't need to repeat it. Now, there are four, four areas where Trump screwed up. I'm not talking about recently, but in his administration. He blew up the deficit. The debt went up. He should have known better. Uh, that is fixable. Doesn't have to do it again. And he now knows. He actually knows what I've been saying ad nauseum forever, the only way the left will understand anything and and be brought into line is through a financial spanking. The only way the deep state can ever be drained is financially. You have to cut them off at the knees with a rusty financial knife and whacking the budgets of these agencies, the Department of Injustice and the FBI. And Donald has finally gotten it. He thought those guys were his friends. He got duped. He can be tricked, but his pride has not let him admit that he can get duped. The ego. Yeah, he's narcissistic. Maybe the most egocentric, narcissistic president we've ever had, except that notwithstanding the enormity of his egocentric nature, his narcissistic nature, it is still exceeded by the love he has for this country. That's, and, and God's whittling him down to size. We'll get to that. He was wrong on COVID by actually trusting Anthony Fauci and the Faucianistas at the CDC and the whole homosexual exaltation at his uh, Mar-a-Lago, well, God can fix that. He can. And I'm going to have to overlook that based upon the scriptures that we're going to get to. So the more the left despises him, the more I sense that he has to be the man God has picked. So notwithstanding all that, I want you to turn to chapter 4, the book of Daniel, if you would, and we are going to go through something that I think was just eye-opening. was to me. And in 2016, I spent a whole month, the month of July, comparing the paradigm of Donald Trump as Jehu and Hillary as Jezebel and Bill Clinton as Ahab. Four weeks I spent on it. Two years later, Jonathan Kahn comes out with a book and says the very same things that God gave me in 2016 in that f- four, th- three hours and 48 minutes of programming that we did just on that topic because God kept giving me more. But I said at the end of that, and I've said since then, that the key here was I don't know whether the analogy, the paradigm would be complete. Because the paradigm of Jehu was that Jehu returned to evil. After he did all that which God put in his heart to do, he went back to serving Baal. And I said, paradigms do not have to be completed with an exactness. And I said, I hope that part of the paradigm with Donald Trump as Jehu is not fulfilled. And I still hope that. But here we go. The next paradigm coming out of Daniel chapter 4. Because God used Trump the first time around. Cyrus was a man God used who was a heathen and a pagan. God called Nebuchadnezzar my man. Nebuchadnezzar was a heathen and a pagan. God can use whoever he wants. The speech that I gave... Where people were kind of arguing me from the crowd, that how could God use a man like Trump? Well, I said, well, he's not as bad as Cyrus and Nebuchadnezzar, and God used both those guys. He even called him my man, my person. He sits on the throne. He turns the hearts of the king like water. It says, in whatever direction he so chooses. Verses one and two, chapter four. Of Daniel Nebuchadnezzar the king he's speaking about himself here unto all the people nations and languages that dwell in all the earth peace be multiplied unto you for I thought it good to show the signs and the wonders that the high God has wrought toward me now I want to stop there this is early in the reign of Nebuchadnezzar and I compare this to Donald Trump understanding that God did play a role in putting him in the position that he did, in putting him on the throne. He he prayed with a lot of great prayer warriors or a lot of great Christians prayed for him and upon him, and, uh, and it was a great time. But it didn't stay there. There was not a humility... That ended with, gee, I thank God for putting me in as president. He he referenced it, but it, it just didn't stay there. He kept moving on and uh, moving back to, uh, back to himself, frankly, is what he was doing. So those first two verses reference this recognition that actually is a reference, in my opinion, to the first term. Now, if you go down to verse 12 of chapter 4, it talks about the kingdom under Nebuchadnezzar, and it says that the leaves were fair, the fruit thereof were much. And it was meat for all. The beasts of the field had shadows under the trees. The fowls of heaven dwelled in the boughs thereof, and all flesh was fed of it. What Daniel was saying is that under the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, who had a recognition of God at, at a minimum, he flourished. The kingdom flourished. People prospered. People were happy. The, the the crops were in. And and did this not happen during the first four years of Trump? Absolutely it did. Absolutely. But then in verse 13, it says, and I saw, and this is Daniel speaking of the, of the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. He said, I saw in the visions of my head, upon my head. Well, this is, I'm sorry, this is Nebuchadnezzar telling his dream to Daniel. And behold, a watcher and a holy one came down from heaven. So in other words, an angel came down from heaven during this time of prosperity of Nebuchadnezzar's reign after he has minimally thanked God. And the angel, he said, he cried aloud and said thus, he cut down the tree, he cut off the branches, shook off the leaves, he scattered their fruit, he let the beast get away from under it and the fowls from his branches. Nevertheless, he said, leave the stump of its roots in the earth. Even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven. So the angel comes down and cuts off the prosperity that was enjoyed under the first term of Trump. In this analogy. And and why not? And I have to jump ahead here. Because this matter is by decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones, to the intent that the living may know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. This is Daniel speaking. And and, and sets up over it even the basest of men. This is this is God speaking to say that. Who's on the throne is up to him. Even men who are base, if it suits his purpose, he will set them up. And in 20 and 21, it says, The tree that you saw, which grew and was strong, whose height reached unto heaven, and the sight thereof to all the earth, the leaves that were fair, and the fruit that was much, and in it was meat for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation, But it is you, O king, you have grown strong and have become strong, for thy greatness has grown and reaches unto heaven and thy dominion to the end of the earth. And whereas this king saw a watcher, the Holy One coming down from heaven, saying, Cut the tree down and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth. And let his portion be in the field with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom was cut down because he did not cease from taking credit for what was done. I'm going to cover that passage in just a minute, but I've I've, I've got to get this out kind of in the order that it is in Scripture. The seven times are seven years. The prosperity was cut down. Trump was cut down because he lost the election. Was it stolen? Yes. But he wasn't... It wasn't seven years. It was four years. But there's a period of time where he is on the outs. Listen to what Nebuchadnezzar said, and this is why his tree was cut down. It said, The king spake and said... Well is not this great Babylon that I have built I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty Listen to the pride While the word was in the king's mouth then the voice from heaven said O king Nebuchadnezzar to thee it is spoken the kingdom is departed from you. Trump could not quit taking credit for all that he had done, which was really the blessing of God. Nebuchadnezzar, though he knew God was behind it and prospered it somehow, he was yet still filled with pride and took credit for look what I have done, I have built the biggest kingdom, the wealthiest kingdom People are fat with prosperity. And like Nebuchadnezzar, who while the words were yet in his mouth, he was turned into a four-footed beast. I don't even know how this works. Humiliated, humbled, crawling on all fours, eating grass for seven years. It was taken from him in his pride in the snap of a finger. And in the snap of a finger, Donald Trump's kingdom was taken from him. On election night, well, actually, the, the morning after, they had to complete the steal the following day. But it was taken from him. Just like that. He couldn't believe it. Just like Nebuchadnezzar couldn't believe that the kingdom was taken from him. But there's an interesting thing in this passage and I'm going to finish with this chapter 4 here in just a minute but the prophetic statement this is what got me excited the prophetic statement made to Nebuchadnezzar that Daniel interpreted about the cutting down of the tree and all the loss of all the prosperity what did it say Nonetheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth. Leave the stump of his roots in the earth. Trump was cut down election eve in the morning thereafter. All that he bragged about that he'd done was now gone because he was a one-term president. But this chapter out of Daniel gives me goosebumps on my goosebumps because what it's telling me is that as the stump of Nebuchadnezzar was not removed but with its roots was left in the ground, so is the stump of Trump. How about that? The stump of Trump with its roots has been left in the ground. And the roots have, for the last four years, but especially the last year and a half, continued to feed the stump, drawing nourishment from the earth. Don't go away. You've got to hear the end of this. We'll be right back. Robin Walter with the Robin Walter Show. The Robin Walter Show is a listener-supported program. Your contribution goes to help as many people as possible to hear that the Word of God has answers to help you survive and even thrive in the dark days ahead in this country. We pledge to bring you the critical information you need to make informed decisions in this age where big tech and big media have conspired to rid our country of everything Christian. Please send your support to... Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box Ninety-Nine, Wickenburg, Arizona, eight five three five eight. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box Ninety-Nine, Wickenburg, Arizona, eight five three five eight. Thank you. are back. We've been talking about the paradigm, and paradigm it is that I believe reveals that Trump is God's man for this hour. Notwithstanding my anger from a month and a half ago and his embracing of the very thing which has been at the root of so much evil in this country and, the, and are headed in the trash heap, The fact is, this passage, this chapter from Daniel, is telling me that in the early days of Nebuchadnezzar, he had a recognition of God's role, but he didn't give God much credit. He kept the credit himself. But what I'm going to read you will show that God was not done with Nebuchadnezzar's moral development before he was reduced to basically a black Angus or something to that effect, eating grass in the field. The stump was left in the ground with their roots, meaning the elements for Nebuchadnezzar's return were in place. The elements for the return of Donald Trump have remained In place and like with Nebuchadnezzar with whom God was not done the first time around is not done with Donald Trump either the second time around now after Nebuchadnezzar is back on his feet and no longer eating grass his time in the field is over Listen to what he says, beginning in verse 34, and tell me if this isn't a new and improved, or not necessarily new, but a distinctly improved Nebuchadnezzar from the nominal praise he gave to God originally before he lost his throne due to his pomposity, like Trump. This is what Nebuchadnezzar said after he's back on two feet and restored to his kingdom. Did he come back and say, I did it? Did he say, I'm the greatest Muhammad Ali? Did he say that it was I, I, I that did this, this, and this? Listen to Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High And I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reported as nothing, reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stop or stay his hand or say unto him, what do you do? What are you doing? At the same time, my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my Lord sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, This is just exciting. Praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Oh, my goodness sakes. Walk in pride? Who's walking in pride? Nebuchadnezzar understands at the end that God is in charge. He's on the throne. He raises up and brings down kings. That any honor and majesty and exaltation Nebuchadnezzar has, it is because God has given it to him, not because of what he can do. The stump has returned to being a tree. The roots have fed it. And in time, he says, in the ways of judgment for those who walk in pride, he is able to abase. Donald Trump is going to have a change of heart on some key issues. But look at the comparison of what Nebuchadnezzar says after he's humbled to the statement that he made before he was humbled where he just said, I thought it was good that I show those signs and wonders that the high God has wrought toward me. That was it. Before that nominal accommodation of God in his life, followed by destruction being returned turned into a four-legged beast, the loss of the election. But the stump is there with the roots in it. and this tree grows back and Nebuchadnezzar comes back, sort of like, goodness sakes, if you thought he was at all un, he was all godly before, Listen to him now. It sounds like he just got saved. It sounds like this is a man who finally understands that, well, yeah, there's a God, and I thank him for this, to man, to whom all blessings flow. Give praise and honor and glory to the King of heaven. This is a changed Nebuchadnezzar who got it But he only got it because he had to be humbled. If Donald Trump is being humbled, and I think he is, and I'll explain why that in a second. I didn't hear much of it at the Mar-a-Lago speech, but people, that wasn't the time and place for it. People wanted to hear what was going on. I get that. I wasn't listening for, gee you know, I'm just a a sinner in the hands of an angry God. I wasn't expecting that. And he's transitioning in, well, let's say, the right kind of way. I'm anxious to hear more of what he has to say and hear the softening because has he been humbled? Well, i got to say that One way to be humbled is to be arrested. One way to be humbled is to be dragged into court and you have to listen to your lawyers. One way to be humbled is to no longer be in charge of your destiny, though you weren't to begin with, but you are not now. One way to be humbled, or I should be saying these are other ways to be humbled, is to be dragged through the mill financially while your enemy is out to bleed you to financial death so you don't even have the money to run for president again. Now, what would this humbling do if that's what's going on? I believe it is. I'm going to put my prayers in that direction because when you're arrested and you're humbled and you're being drained financially, guess what you have to do? You have to rely on God and others. Do you remember when Trump said, I don't need anybody's contribution. I'm rich. <clears throat> I'm a billionaire, multi-billionaire. I can finance my own campaign. Not anymore, you can't. The fact that people are giving to Donald Trump's campaign now, he hasn't asked for it, but he's not refusing it. That's humbling to this man. I Can't do it by myself. He needs help, and he is reaching out in different directions. And people, some who are never Trumpers probably won't vote for him, but those who are independent, those who are the newly departed, the dearly departed of recent origin, where he just ticked me off with that whole Mar-a-Lago queer fest, I'm past it. Not that it doesn't matter. I still hate what was done there. But I see in him a Nebuchadnezzar rising up with the roots feeding the stump. And I'm looking to hear him say things that are radically more Christian than he has ever said before. Well, just a couple of things. I'm going to throw this out about Haley, DeSantis, Ramaswamy. Haley, she's out. Nikki Haley, I, I have nothing for her at all. But, you know, normally an indictment against a compelling and competing candidate would be the kiss of death for that competing candidate, right? I mean, you get you get dragged before the court for a legitimate case, not a kangaroo court by Alvin Braggadocious. That would be it for Trump. But it's not the kiss of death. Not this time. This is the tsunami that at least has temporarily wiped off the political landscape all the other candidates. What can they say? You see, if they say nothing, they are silently affirming Alvin Braggadocious. They are. They've Got to speak against him. It is so outrageous, so unconstitutional, so New York, so anti-Christian. You, the campaign for Haley and DeSantis and Ramaswamy, for each one of them, would be dead in the water to not come to Trump's defense and condemn this Democrat prosecutor in New York but guess what in coming to his defense which they have to they cannot help but build his campaign and increase the spread between Trump's support and the Trump from them for the, the vote the, the support for them they have to support him and in so doing they're actually building Trump's campaign I mean, goodness, Ramaswamy is really a classy guy. He is, um, boy, Trump's president, he's got to have a post in that cabinet, maybe Department of Treasury, providing that he's not vice president. But Rick Grinnell came out last week, and he, he had said, All these other candidates need to drop out of the race and support Trump. And I actually agree with him, but I'm going to go one step further than Grinnell. Of course, I say this even on the day that Asa Hutchinson, former governor of Arkansas, declares his candidacy for president of the United States. Get lost, Asa. You got a great first name and you were a decent governor. But man alive, Jack, hit the road here, will you please? But I'm going to go one step further than Grinnell Grinnell in this. I don't think they actually should necessarily drop out of the race per se. What they need to do is they need to start running for vice president. Vice president. How about that? Now, I'm going to say I love DeSantis. The more he's been on the national stage the more ill-suited I think he is to the national stage. He doesn't have the the bluster that is that Donald Trump can pull off. He doesn't have that, that force to be reckoned with. Yes, he's morally superior. I think he is without question the greatest governor in recent times of any state in the union. And he needs to keep Florida great and keep making Florida greater. Because if Trump doesn't win in 2024, it's over. And we need governors, the likes of which would include DeSantis, to help take states out of the union. We need great governors in place as a backup plan to get the heck out of this country and form a new country within a country if we end up with a Democrat president. Because it's over. Fair elections are over. Everything is over if the demons win. Maybe that's part of the judgment. Ron needs to stay there and hold the line and keep making that state better, as do some other states which are doing so great. Idaho is just making great strides. Two more bills they pass, which are fabulous. Texas needs to stay red. Kentucky and Tennessee, I love them, but my bets are on Kentucky these days. The fact is, um, that's where he's best. Ramaswamy has been such a class act. I do not know why no one gives him any press. He would be a great vice president, except for one thing. Vice presidents don't get a microphone. I do not want Nikki Haley. I would, if there's a female, it would need to be uh, Carrie Lake. She's got a mouth that matches Trump, and they would go, to, go head and head, not head to head, but head and head, and a force with which to be reckoned. If Trump would let her have that microphone, but my first, but I don't need to get there. It's just that they need to switch tracks and they need to start running for vice president now. So, with that, ta- Trump's task is formidable. You see, unlike previous presidents, he's got challenges previous presidents have not had. Can he rebuild the wall after we've let in 3 million illegals? And what do you do? Do you plug the leak to the boat when the boat is actually already filled with water and ready to sink? That's a tough one. Can he rein in the federal agencies by slashing all their budgets? I hope so, but it's going to take some Republicans with cojones who don't care about their political future to do it. We should have term limits and help make that job easier. He will have to fight against the Russians and the Chinese campaign interference. Let me tell you, this is a no brainer. Biden, Joe Cornpop, is so dumb, so stupid, so immoral, so feckless, so weak. The Russians and the Chinese want him. Look out for maximum campaign interference on behalf of the Democrats. If Trump is the candidate, he's got to deal with that. Can he appoint good judges? Sure he can, but it takes time for them to have the impact that we need. Will he be blamed for the measures necessary to rein in the federal deficit? Of course he will be. Can he eliminate the Department of Miseducation? I hope so. Fire him. Let them all get real jobs. Turn it back over to the states. Can he rebuild the military? Oh, boy, he's got a job here that's a lot tougher than Reagan's. Carter destroyed the military. Reagan had to rebuild it. We need more ships. We need this. We need better technology. Then we finally get to Barack Hussein Obama and Joey Cornpop Biden, who have absolutely destroyed our military. But unlike Carter, Obama And Biden have destroyed it two ways. The military readiness and preparedness has been destroyed. We can't get recruits because Obama and O'Biden have destroyed it or certainly are on a track to do so morally. Morally. The immorality of Obama and Biden has hollowed out Our military. And so Trump has the incredible task of having to rebuild it militarily. The military morally as well as militarily as far as assets, tanks, whatever, planes, you name it. He's got a tough job. Can it be done? Well, guess what? We read that prayer. Of Nebuchadnezzar to God, the praise, praising God for the restoration of his kingdom, if he could do it with Nebuchadnezzar, it was God that left the stump in the ground, left the roots attached to the stump. If he's done that for Nebuchadnezzar, he can do that for Donald Trump and the United States. He can. It seems impossible. But I sense that it is our last chance, and we need to get it right if he does return to power for four years. It needs to be done and done right, or we're toast, and it's over, and the judgment hammer is done. God, spirit, will not strive with man. And we're done as a country, but we're not there yet. I'm not done fighting. I'm not done praying. No, sometimes I feel like I'm just getting started. I look at all these grandkids that I've got. I look at what others are are fighting for, and I'm thinking, you know, how how can I not fight like this? How can I do anything less than give my all? After all, isn't that what Jesus did? This is Easter weekend. Jesus gave it all. He gave his life that others would be saved? Would we not give ours in the way in which we would be called to do so that we could pave a way for a better, more righteous future for our children and our grandchildren? Could we not do as much? You see, this can happen for one reason. This is your two-minute Easter message. It's because Jesus is alive. Because he was resurrected. He's alive. I mean, compare this to all the other religions. Confucius, deader in a doornail. Muhammad, deader a doornail. Buddha, deader a doornail. Once had a client meeting with herself, signing some documents at her house, and had a Buddha there. Knowing my Christian predisposition she said what would you do if I gave you that Buddha I said I'd take it she was shocked what would you do with it then oh I got a prominent fence post right out by my gate I would prop it up there and then what I said well then I'd get my thirty thirty and blow that porcelain fat boy to smithereens I didn't get the didn't get the Buddha and why could I do that because what can Buddha do to me He's dead. What can Confucius do? He's dead. What can Muhammad do? He's dead. But what can Jesus do because he's alive? He can restore this country. He can restore you. He can save men, women, and children. He could give Donald Trump the spiritual epiphany of the century with a calling that goes beyond description. All because Jesus is alive. And I... Just need to encourage you in that no matter how bad it gets, even if we end up in a time of judgment, because there's no pre-trib rapture, there's a rapture, but it's not pre-trib. We're here if it gets nasty. Get my book, The Rapture Revisited. Finally, a lawyer takes a look at end time events and you'll read all about it. But no matter how bad it gets, we'll always be ahead will always be in the lead. And why? Because no dead person can walk, no dead person can talk, no dead person can run. None of these dead religions can catch up with a living Savior. Do you see what lives inside of you because Jesus lives We have inside of us that which will keep us when we need to be kept, strengthen us when we need to be strengthened, encouraging us when we need to be encouraged. And along the way, if we go the way of John the Baptist, we lose our heads, so be it. We have an incredible crown awaiting us in heaven. Or we could go the way of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel and be promoted. We could go the way of Nebuchadnezzar. We were cut down for pride, but the root, the stump, are still there, and he's going to restore us. All because we have inside of us one who lives. And if you don't, it's time for you to get down on your knees and ask Jesus Christ into your heart. He didn't die on the cross so that you could waste his crucifixion that you could waste His resurrection. He died so that you would receive His blood on your heart and over His life and go on to be all the man or woman or child that He's called you to be. We're in for an exciting ride. You know, I don't care how bad it gets if we get into full-on persecution. I wouldn't change this time in my life for anything. And neither should you have that desire to want to get out of here, but to make use of the time that God's given us. Sit tall in the saddle, America. Remember, you ride the brand, the brand of Jesus Christ. God bless you and have a blessed Easter.